0: Good afternoon everybody. So excited to have you again at Around the Town. Uh, We have a special guest today, Mr. Tommy Stringfellow. For those who don't know who he is, he is the president and CEO of Riverbanks Zoo. What you really don't know is that he has background. is really the amusement park which i find interesting but also makes very much sense as as some of the things he's going to tell us about and why he's pushing to do certain things at the zoo but no very excited he he had been at carowinds six flags um and obviously uh has a very unique so if we have a crazy roller coaster down the road that (laughs) dips through the the on the way that's why um no we're really excited about having tommy here and tommy how how about tell us how how you ended up at the zoo? Because I mean, your background's not animals; it's not nature. I mean, this is a different thing. Y'all y'all sell poop.
1: <laughs> we do, we do. I appreciate the opportunity to to have this conversation with you. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I get that question a lot. You know, first of all, they say, "Do you have any tattoos? You you know, a carny guy or what?" <laughs> I said, "No." Fortunately, I was able to dodge that one along the way, but. Um, so I grew up in Rock Hill and, um, I was just saying to a few others that, um, uh, growing up in Rock Hill, was kind of a prerequisite. You had to work at Carowinds at least one summer. Um, and so during high school and they recruit several thousand high school kids. And, uh, and so I tried that during high school to work one summer and, um, you know, I was thinking I'd be running a really cool ride and somehow I ended up in the parking lot. I'm like wait a minute, I you know, one of these cool rides. You know, I don't. I'd rather be in the park. And on top of that, I, they made me. We were dressed in themes. At, it was called a theme park, so every every area had a theme. So, I said, well, what kind of theme is in the parking lot? And they said, well, you're going to be wearing a referee outfit. And I said, referee? He said, yeah. Well, we we park day and night, so in the daytime, you know, they can see the black stripes better, and at nighttime the white stripes better. And you'll have a little cap, and you'll have a little yellow flag, because at times sometimes the cars will go different directions and you can just pull the flag out and throw it up in the air and, and call a foul on it and people seem to think that's kind of cute or fun and and you know i think i learned a whole lot about the industry in the parking lot because um my my team laughs at me because sometimes i'll get out and park cars at the zoo because that's my base. i, I love that because it's the first impression that people see when they go to a theme park or to a zoo and to me, I want to make sure that first impression is, is just great. So, um, you know, I preach a lot about you know, our parking team. So hopefully when you see our parking team, you'll see big smiles. But that's kind of where it started. And uh, the
0: easier it is to park and the easier it is to get from point A to point B, no matter what the distance, as long as it runs smoothly, people start off their experience great.
1: Yeah, I, I call it hassle-free. Um, you know, if you can have a visit where... You know guests come in and we we try to make sure they get the front row parking spot that was our goal is get get them as close as you can um you know give them a friendly smile and same thing when they leave and then get them out efficiently and you know with a, a smile and a wave goodbye so that that's uh that's where i started picking up the bug for wow this theme park thing's pretty cool because people want to be treated you know incredibly well um they pay good money to come in you want to you know. Give them escape from their daily worries and, and, uh, and hope they have a good day. So that kind of transpired into uh, when I graduated at, um, at Winthrop. I went to Winthrop at that time, it was college and university. War, are,
0: they, are they the Eagles or War Eagles? Eagles, now. eagles, yeah.
1: Can't yeah. I, eagles. I remember if they're, they're War Eagles too? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I was majoring in marketing at Winthrop at that time. And I think I realized that uh, you know, theme parks are businesses too. And, um, and, and unfortunately, a marketing position opened up as kind of assistant marketing manager. So I was fortunate to roll into that full time and, uh, and then uh, worked my way up to marketing director and learned a whole lot about theme parks. And, um, and they actually, believe it or not, theme parks um, will place you in different cities around South Carolina or North Carolina to do a lot of tours, to talk to groups about coming uh, corporate sponsorships and things like that so i i was in columbia for about four years working for for carowinds and i said you work for you drive there every day i said no actually it's kind of off site sales office and then i was in greenville for about four years so fortunately I got to learn a little bit about the, the the two areas and uh said maybe one day i'd like to come back and from from carowinds uh, an opportunity to join the six flags group and he moved me all over the country because at that time I was getting good at branding of parks and and uh, Six Flags was buying a lot of small parks and converting them and so they sent me up state New York uh, where I lived for about five years and and branded about three or four different parks up there and and uh, learned a whole lot about how to draw people to these parks and uh, what's you know what makes them tick and what uh, and what things they like to see and, and makes you get real creative Uh by learning what what just really has somebody uh, go from kind of a good to a great experience, uh, so that that's kind of in my
0: in my yeah. Well, I'm going to come back to a question about your adventures in the park, but um, how about give us the the um, I call it the elevator pitch of of Riverbanks. You know, a lot of people don't know how many visitors we have. They don't know how many exhibits we have, or you know, all of that. Maybe you could just give us the elevator pitch. Uh, so that some of the listeners understand, you know, what's actually happening over there on the banks of the Saluda.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the first thing when I hear that, that somebody hasn't been to the, to the zoo, um, I ask them where they're from, and usually they're from somewhere that has a zoo or a garden, and, uh, and which I like to hear because they now get to kind of compare what they've been to. So, but they don't realize when I tell them, said that we are only the largest gated attraction in South Carolina now, but we're also the most visited zoo in the southeast from New York down to Miami. And thinking that, you know, Columbia, the metropolitan size versus a metropolitan size in, say, in, in Atlanta, um, and that we have been averaging anywhere from 1.2 to 1.4 million visitors per year, is unheard of in zoos and um in zoo atlanta for an example does about eight hundred thousand a year and they have what about a six million population that has the access to it and uh and so um that seems to trigger why you know why do so many people come and um say well great combination right there on the beautiful saluda river first of all there's not another zoo in this country that has a river like that it splits right down the middle of it um and i'll get to talk a little bit about how we want to move and expand so so people can see more of it but um but also that uh, our collection of animals are unique compared to a lot of zoos and um, we were fortunate to have a director in the past that was there for 42 years they considered him the disney uh walt disney of of zoos and aquariums because he had served as as the uh, chairman of zoos and aquariums in the united states and the world it's called waza world association of zoos and aquariums so Fortunately, I got mentored uh, as I uh, worked with them and learned a whole lot about the animals and the collection we have and was really focused on the conservation piece of it. But the biggest piece is the fact, and, and I'd like to say it was a strategy that uh, was thought of back in the day, um, zoos are spread out pretty far. If you go to a lot of zoos, you'll walk all day um, on a path and then you, you stumble on an exhibit and it's a beautiful exhibit and then you walk another half a mile to another exhibit Uh, We're really compact where you can come and spend an hour and see a lot of animals and experience a lot of the attractions uh, often, which makes people want to come back more frequently. So um, what they like, and you know nowadays, uh, everybody has that time poverty. You've got kids that are doing soccer and baseball and you try to do it all at the same time. So guess what? You can get a half a day in the zoo and see a lot of really cool things and still go back and do all the activities that you need to do around the house so so having a uh, really conveniently located zoo you know, right you know, it feels like it's almost downtown Columbia now uh, on the river and being compact where you, you immediately get you know an impact of walking in and seeing animals and animals that you normally wouldn't see at a lot of other zoos so that combination is, uh, is what I say is part of you know what drives so many people to riverbanks
0: so I know since you've been there you know obviously you've had a whole lot of new new things happening um, tell us a little bit about you know i know y'all just unveiled the, the donnie and susan boyd who had susan's been one of my guests here and um we love susan she she tells some great stories but the boyd family they invested in the aquarium and the reptile talk a little bit about that renovation and you know how that is today versus what it was.
1: Absolutely. Um so like everybody else during COVID, uh, we were all trying to figure out how, you know, how do we how do we keep funding the zoo when the zoo's closed, but yet we had animals. And over the years we had started developing some relationships with the key people. And the uh Boyd Foundation was one that took a kind of keen interest because um Susan uh, will tell you that uh she loves octopus. And uh, she and apparently seen, penguins now too. <laughs> exactly, penguins as well too. That's the story of another day too. Whew! Um, but you know, she um, at that time during COVID, uh, they approached us and said, "Look, we we want to keep things going here, and we we hear that you know you need a little little bump here, so we'd like to um, do something together." And I uh, said, "Well, you know, what 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 do you like the most?" Um, and she said, "Octopus." She said, "Does your aquarium have octopus?" And I said, well, we, we used to, but the standards for keeping them had changed so much. And I said, so we would have to build a bigger tank um, and an off-holding area as well, too. And she said, well, we can do that. We're going to do that. And um, she said, well, tell me more about the query. And I said, well, when it was built in 1979, it's, it's an older exhibit, um, that one exhibit took the zoo from about 700,000 visitors to over a million just for that one exhibit. So we knew how powerful a draw an aquarium is, and that's obviously because you got it's heated and air conditioned, and things are moving. You get to see beautiful fish. It's it's uh, something to escape to. So it's always been a winner, and we had it on our list to, to do some maintenance, to do some freshening up, painting, and when they approached us and said, "Well, we want to add some things to it, and we we want to make it really something different, and without tearing it down, rebuilding it." So um, we spent probably a year and a half redesigning. Uh, showing the you know the foundation, especially Susan, how, you know how do you what do you think about this and you know where we're going to get the uh, octopus from and and uh, and the reptiles that are a huge part of that. So, um, with their donation, which is it's amazing, and you know you know as well they love investing in in this area uh, for the recreation piece of it, and they wanted to be proud of it. So. Uh, it was our opportunity to close it down, which we didn't want to do for a year and a half. But we were right on the tail end of COVID, and things were still slow. So actually, it was a good time for us to to rehab it. And um, and the more we started putting into it, um, Susan and and George would say, um, "Okay, I know you're kind of restoring it to glory, but what can you do more of?" And um, so we said, "Well, well, we can take it to an, a really high impact." Uh, exhibit because we can take some and bring some new exhibits in some new fish and some new wildlife that we haven't had in there before and they said that's what we want we're going to do this let's do it big and so the investment got bigger and bigger and next thing i know we're uh, almost at 10 million dollars to rehab that whole exhibit and um and it opened um i, I know some were privy to kind of get some sneak previews um susan's been angry with me right now because guess what I have the octopus yet? <laughs> we, there's a a lot more complicated process in acquiring an octopus, and um, you know, so we we gave her a little um, stuffed octopus in the meantime that she can hold on to and love. And she calls me about once a week and said, "All right, is it coming yet?" And said, "We're almost there." Um, but when it opened, Daniel, it was amazing. It, it did what it did back in '79 when it opened. We have seen five capacity days just in the last month since it's opened to the point where um, we were at capacity. And uh, so we started sending people to our other attractions to say, look, go enjoy those attractions, come back later, or come back in the afternoon. And so it's a good problem to have, but we knew that that aquarium was going to do some magnificent things with the tourists that want to come see it. And it's been closed for a year and a half, so there's a demand for it.
0: What, uh, what, what are some of the new uh, animals and
1: features that y'all have included in the aquarium piece? So the other key piece that, um, that Susan said she would like to see, uh, and this is what kind of triggered the interest uh, beyond owning octopus, was that uh, we took her and some of the foundation members behind the scenes um, and in the back of the aquarium, there there's small areas, you know, a lot of industrial pipes and things. But we have um, several conservation programs, uh, projects that we've been working on for years. So our keepers not only you know keep animals to um, to show and entertain guests with, but they also do it uh, as we like to say we're an arc of hope that a lot of these animals may not survive in the future. So we're we're kind of uh, building on collections that we can either put back in the wild one day or make sure we can sustain it. Well, in the back of these exhibits, a lot of that conservation takes place. And Susan uh, was amazed. She said, well, this is really cool stuff. You know, how, how come we can't tell the public about it? So well, we try, but it's a small room. So she said, well, figure out a way that you can show people this lab work and show all these amazing uh, projects that you're doing, what you're saving. Uh, coral reef project was one that uh, she really, uh, really liked a lot. And it's the, the reef, the Florida reef track is dying at an unbelievable pace. Uh, they can't figure out what's killing the coral. That's a major tourist attraction for people to to visit. And it sustains a lot of fish life too. And um, so we're part of about 12 other aquariums that have taken some live coral and we're keeping it for safekeeping and actually growing that coral and reproducing the coral. And and we've been successful at it. She said, I want people to see that. And so I don't know how to get more people back here. So our, our architects came up with an idea. So, well, you know what, If we can't get them back there. Maybe let's cut some holes in the wall, put windows. So when they're in the aquarium, they can look into these labs and see our What's keepers. Yeah, yeah, in their lab coats. And, and that we can talk to them through uh, presentations about why we're doing what we're doing back there. And she said, I, I want people to learn that so that was a key piece that she wanted and we've done that with three areas inside the aquarium where you can actually see the the coral growing and you can talk to keeper that's putting um you know the efforts into saving it um geckos um are another uh, endangered species and we have one of the um, gosh best nationally known um keepers that is um successful with breeding different types of geckos and so we will breed them, and then other zoos will send them out to other zoos so they can start breeding them too, and we can educate them. That's another area that is just a solid wall of geckos that you can look into the lab. They
0: with. loan a couple to Geico as well.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, and then the desert. that We've never had desert exhibits, and um, you know, in one of the exhibits, um, it, uh, uh, all windows above it, and it was always hot in there, and we were trying to keep it cool. We said, you know what, let's... let's let's, okay, let's look at something that we can keep the place warm with and not fight air conditioning it, and so it became a desert gallery, and we have some really cool snakes, uh, a lot of native that we like to try to keep some native species to South Carolina here, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of kids that you know, have heard about copperheads, and, uh, you know, we'd love to see them, and uh, so we, this um, uh, exhibit has about 15 different um, species of snakes and lizards, and turtles and, and we even put uh, a couple of birds that are native to um to like arizona desert that um that are part of the experience so now you're walking through the desert it's hot in there um, there's a lot of sand in there um and you can get really up close and personal with some of the snakes and some of the lizards um and you find the kids um well on their hands and knees getting eye to eye with a lot of them and uh some of the parents prefer to move quickly through that exhibit And then there's those that want to stay and hang out. So that was a huge piece. And the last biggest piece that we really loved is um, we'd been to several other aquariums and their biggest exhibits were jellyfish. And jellyfish are mesmerizing. So we built a jellyfish wall. I mean, it's about 10 foot tall and about 15 feet wide. And it's going to house several hundred jellyfish that constantly swim with some color-changing light that... um, people stand there and get mesmerized by and we also propagate jellies as well so we can kind of reinvest and, and share our jellyfish with others that are are wanting them as well too and then the theme park piece of me obviously is when you go in there, i want you to hear sounds of where you are you're going to be you know underwater you're going to hear the ocean you're going to be in the desert you're going to hear the wind blowing and you know and the, and the cool sounds of it and then the Uh, the feel of it the lighting in there has changed so much so you're really immersed in that so you really feel like you've been transported into several different regions uh in that galleries as you travel through them so that's what's really unique about it and uh and to start your experience um we have some really cool endangered turtles that uh you could you know you could see from a distance but now you actually walk in between several of the exhibits uh with turtles on both sides of you and um and that kind of starts the experience before you can mm. get inside the aquarium. So, um,
0: so, yeah. Timeline on the octopus, the famous octopus.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Does Susan listen to the program? <laughs> she probably does. <laughs> so, um, we think, at least we think of that in the next 30 days, 30 to 60 days at the most, I'm pushing our guys as fast as they can and say, Tommy, it's a, a process. So,
0: it's how many will you have?
1: So, we'll start out with one a giant Pacific octopus coming from the vancouver area
0: so when you say giant what is i mean give us a visual
1: so it, it can grow up to be about seven feet long um starts out smaller that's an octopus it's big and um you know and so the tank is designed for one maybe two smaller but as they grow bigger then we'll put one in the back area and rotate them um so it, it'll be a. I mean, that's why they call giant octopus because it'll be big
0: what will be in the tank with the octopus
1: so it's uh mostly the theming of the tank the rock work um a lot of different colors because they like to change colors and so when you see the tank is almost ready uh, it takes about six months to get the water acclimated to their environment uh, to have the right um, ph balance and then for our keepers to make sure that the um you know the filtration is going to sustain that octopus so there's that piece uh, once the aquarium is done, then it takes a while to get all these uh, exhibits uh, ready, and then the transporting, and then there's a 30-day period that we call a quarantine period that we ease them into that tank. So that, that's the process and the take. So you will see the octopus if you look hard. Some days you may not see them because they change colors and they blend right into the rocks, and that's kind of their you know that's their defense mechanism to be able to hide. So that's uh, a lot of fun because we have to point out where that octopus. Is.
0: So I'm assuming that this is a deep water, cold water. It is. Yep. Octopus. It's coming water's in.
1: chilled. Yep. It takes its own special chiller to make sure that the water reaches the right temperature.
0: Wow. And some of the other fish and exhibits that you have. What else is in the aquarium um, that you had? I know you talked a little bit about the snakes, but what other type of fish in there? What's new in there from the fish standpoint? I know because a lot of it's interactive and. Obviously, some of those are, are multiple uh, fish together, but is there anything new you've added to the fish tanks?
1: It's probably the most popular, which uh, we've, we're highlighting now, is sea turtles. Um, we have this cool program with DNR um, that they will bring us a hatchling, sea turtle hatchling, because obviously they're, uh, they're also endangered off the coast, and so part of our program is working with DNR to take the hatchlings um, to have them in the aquarium for about a year till they're big enough that we can take down to the coast with the South Carolina Aquarium and we go and do a big sea turtle release. And, you know, it's ever since Nemo, the sea turtle seems to be very popular. Uh, of course, we do have all the Nemo fishes as well, too, the clown fishes and such. But, um, but You got Dory. We have Dory, yeah. Just making yep. sure. We do. Oh, well, kids ask about it. So it's amazing how uh, Disney transformed some education into those specific type of fish Um, but that was one that we um, had been doing in the backup area but now we have tanks large enough for the sea turtles to actually swim around and you can watch it grow and there's always a name I think the name of the small one we have now is Destiny Uh, so we get to name them and then we turn Destiny loose and they put trackers on them and and we're able to, to find out over the years how Destiny's doing.
0: And I know all you folks are asking what to get your kids for Christmas. Guess what? You can buy them a fish. You can name that fish and, and you can donate it a donation through the zoo and get a fish and, and that'd be the best gift you could give them. So try that.
1: You know, you mentioned that this mother's day, we were, we've got a new program this mother's day that, um, you can buy, uh, you'll see a list of different animals that you can buy. and You get a certificate of ownership and, um, you get a little plush, you know, it comes along with it, and uh, it talks about the the habitat and the ones that we have. So you can use that as a gift for your uh, mom if you're looking for something really different. So we have two elephants in Africa. Um, when we were there,
0: my kids adopted, and they they, they send a check every year uh, for those for for the the uh, refuge that took care of uh, the baby elephants right outside Nairobi and uh, Karen but my kids went and we, they had, adop- oh, we're going to adopt an elephant today. We're going to do this while we're there. Well, they were able to go back that night and put them to bed. So they put them down in their bed and put a blanket on them and just had this incredible experience, but they keep up with it even today. You know, that was 2015 and you know, here it is 2023 and my kids are still sending and doing it because, oh well, they're not kids, they're young adults, but they 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 have gotten into it and and they understand the impact it makes and so it is it's a great great program and a great gift g- gift for somebody but more the program I think that you know you're making a difference
1: you know and it's funny we you know I get to talk a lot about the, you know economic impact and all the business numbers but you know we're we're a, a conservation organization uh, you know our mission is to you know to create connections and. Over 1.2 million people, we have the opportunity when they step into the zoo and garden to try our best to educate them about um, plants or animals that um, need a little of attention or are endangered, and what they can do, um, you know, and hopefully have enough impact. So, like you said, when they go back, they're like, "Wow, I really would like to know more about that animal, or God, what can I do uh, to help that survival or give chances of survival?" And so, so our goal once you get in there you know, is to educate and, um, and entertain, obviously. So we have as many keeper chats as we can. We have a lot of sessions where we'll go out and talk about the sea lions and, and the plastics and the water and, you know, and the conservation piece of it. And the best thing is, you know, we can talk about the Saluda River right behind us and the fish that, the sturgeons, long-snow sturgeons that are endangered. I've never seen I, one. I, you know what? Uh, Satch has been there 42 years to say the same thing. Uh, but we're, we're, we're looking for I've heard
0: for of people seeing them, but I've never seen it. That's right. Uh, it's one of those mysteries that i like to see come floating through exactly. one time when you're, you're on the river. How many conservation programs are there at the zoo?
1: So we have over 42. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, you know, we, um, we, um, we have about 15 in Africa, straight in Africa. Uh, it's obviously having um, giraffes, uh, having elephants in the past, having rhinos now uh we what also type,
0: well i guess you got white rhino
1: we do southern white rhinos uh, you know they're dwindling uh fast too yeah and you uh, know we obviously try to educate why and how you can support them and so a lot of our fundraising uh not only goes to support the zoo is also to go to these conservation programs that already exist um in areas and um and so you know what we like to focus on too is here in south carolina there's some critically endangered species in South Carolina right in our own backyard that we have and we want to educate people about and um, and we support those by either having our keepers go help or by taking dollars that we get grants for and supplementing their you know foundation so that hopefully it'll make a difference or an impact
0: yeah my uh, good friend of our family's um, my aunt and uncle live in Africa, but their good friend ran a rhino reserve for a long, long time. Anna Merits, and um, we had the opportunity to to visit uh several times and and get to see what was on. But they're always armed guard. But they're so used to being people. I got pictures of me, you know, patting up yeah. and playing. But it, it, it's incredible to see those animals in the wild. Uh, you know a lot of people don't know there's three types of giraffes you know and, and you, you get to see it but to see the lions and giraffes it, 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 even all the different gazelles and impalas the tick ticks, and you know the tommies and and then of course for me I love watching suddenly you're somewhere and there's a fleet of guineas running around out of nowhere you know in the <laughs> middle of it the, we nickname them the ladies but when you see that but then you get to see the animals here and then you hear about these conservation programs how do people get more involved in the conservation program even at the local level how 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 can we help get more people engaged in that process
1: sure um you know it sounds like you've had opportunity to get to africa and experience that and that is fantastic and Uh, believe it or not that's one of our programs every year we take those that would like to go to Africa
0: got a group going next week right
1: yeah absolutely I
0: got the reason I say that is I got a call from one of them that said hey can I deliver anything for you (laughs) to your aunt while we're there and I said no we're good
1: (laughs) so yeah we uh COVID kind of slowed that down a little bit but taking groups into areas whether it's in Africa or whether it's in um Allendale and showing some of these reserves for turtles um um is the best way because then you really get them connected but otherwise you know we have some back area uh exhibits that we take um special groups back and get them engaged by seeing behind the scenes exactly what it takes to feed and care for um and give them an up close personal experiences and that seems to connect people really quickly so what do they ask like you ask is you know how do we support we have some volunteer opportunities if they'd like to do something, um, if they'd like to contribute. We also um, show the, uh, the different conservation programs that you can contribute to or uh, you know, buying bricks uh, with your name on the zoo. Those go to a specific um, conservation fund. Right. And, and we have those not only posted on our website, but at the zoo, we have um, a lot of different tours that will show what these conservation programs are like. And we have our education classes that we, we have people that want to come and say, what can we do besides just support and money, but physically what else can we do? And so we try to connect them with those different opportunities, um, especially since we have a lot of those animals right here in Colombia.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you know, we talked a lot about the exhibits, but what about the gardens?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, back when uh, we had the land that was, you know, part of, of, uh, I guess now, Dominion's uh, gift to the zoo. Uh, on the lease process, we've got, I think, what, almost turning 50 now. We By the way, we celebrated our 49th birthday this past Tuesday, and we have a countdown going for uh, our 50th anniversary, which will be April 25th of next year, so we have some exciting things coming up to celebrate, so that'll be a, a big deal. Um, but uh, part of the land on the, um, on the garden side, across the bridge, um, became um a goal for a lot of those that wanted to have a really formal garden something that was uh, not only a formal garden but also fun for kids because obviously the zoo we have a lot of uh families that have a lot of young kids so Mm -hmm. how do you educate them about gardening so part of what's so uh great about the garden is there are different sections of the garden that you can go to if you like the formal piece of it that you know looks uh very england you know bricks and vines and stuff um we have that, and then you have the kids' garden that allows them to actually dig and play and uh, understand how to plant seeds. And we have a vegetable garden to show you how to grow vegetables. Uh, call that Miss Pat's garden. We actually use the vegetables in a lot of our catered events, uh, so we're trying to do you know more self-sustaining things.
0: Oh, well, I figured you feed them to the animals.
1: <laughs> we, you know what we do? We go to the farmers' market for the animals. You it's, really? We do. Um, it's funny, our. Uh, know we have a really cool culinary uh, group that does a lot of our weddings. And we have chefs at the zoo. A lot of people don't know that do our after-hours events. But we also use our chefs in the daytime to take um, the level of the food that we serve and take it up a notch. You know, how can you take a hamburger to a really good hamburger? And, you know, by the way, I think I was listening to, to Tim Miles talk about this special place to eat hamburgers on your podcast. And I had to laugh. I thought he was going to say, you know, Riverbanks has this place called Wild Burgers. We change it to a... Um, you know, kind of a smash burger concept with a branded bun and and i'll challenge anybody to say that to me is like one of the best places in columbia for a hamburger it is really good but um and kind of getting back to the garden so yeah we um we spend a lot of a um, time making sure that we can educate people about plants we have classes for plants uh, you can enroll to help garden we have over 200 volunteers that help us in the garden and also help us in the um on the zoo side too on the landscape you got a little fertilizer too right? <laughs> that that was probably one of our favorite things is like uh, we were buying probably six thousand dollars worth of fertilizer uh compost a year for the garden and at the same time we were spending about four thousand a year hauling you know elephant waste off the landfill and um we had some very smart people that said you know what how can we we reuse it. And we saw a few zoos trying to do the same concept. And so now <laughs> we take uh, a lot of the animals, most of the mammals, and we have a composting uh, area behind uh, where the rhinos are. Uh, we actually have front-end loader now that scoops it up and turns it and we cure it, and we package it and we only sell it to the public. We do some annual truckload sales. Uh, we call it compost. and uh, some people call it zupu. Um, and it not only saved the, um, you know, the expenses of landfill, which is good, but, um, we didn't have to buy it anymore. We produced so much. A matter of fact, I, I, know that we used to give as much we could to the city to use in landscape around town. And so you never know with the, where the flowers are growing. That may have been some of the animal poop that we, uh, we recycled and, and composted and <laughs> gave out.
0: Composted,
1: Yeah. And so, uh, we use a lot of that in the garden and I think we're using so much of it now, um. At, um we have little, little little buckets we sell too in retail that uh, you can buy and give us gifts as well. It's like six dollars for a little bucket, and people are scared to open it because they don't know what what what's in it? in it. So it's but you know when you finally open it, you're like ah, oh, it smells like fresh dirt, and it's uh, it can grow some Texas-sized stuff. Holy cow!
0: I bet it's I bet. Good. So you know, talk we've talked a little bit about the gardens, and you know, obviously y'all. As you said, the pandemic you know put a dent, but now really coming back, having record days. The aquarium, and obviously, when you get a chance to unveil the uh, octopus and and the jellyfish aren't up yet,
1: are they? They are now. Yes, they are now. Um, we were able to get. We had probably half of them uh, when we opened, and so it, it was cool, but now it's it's mesmerizing. Yeah, it's gonna, we finally have all the uh, all but two exhibits in the aquarium: octopus and another one that. Uh, not quite there yet, but um,
0: so I got to drift back to your days in the amusement park. What was the craziest thing you saw at an amusement park?
1: <laughs> wow, well, there were a lot of them. Um, craziest, um, uh, probably one of the craziest were, uh, and there seem to be a lot more of them now. Were uh, a couple getting married on a free fall, uh, where you know you were up in you know uh, almost 150 feet in the air. Uh, they'd say their vows, and then they would leap, and take a dive, and you know, and bounce back and forth, and then they would take their wedding parties on roller coaster rides, where they would actually get engaged and um, say their vows as they're riding roller coasters. So they were just devout theme park uh, guests, and so the, the creative ways to to get married at theme parks are a bit a bit overboard, but those probably were the craziest times. Um, one of my favorites. Um, At Carowinds, we had concerts, and um, had some great concerts back then. We had Buffett every year.
0: I saw Jimmy Buffett. I remember this to this day. I was in middle school, and we went to go see Jimmy Buffett. It poured down rain. It was ankle-deep water, and he kept playing, and we were (laughs) out there singing grapefruit, juicy fruit, and just having (laughs) a a grand old time. But it it was fun because you spent all day at the park, and then you went to a concert in the Palladium.
1: You got it? Yep. You remember?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, it
1: was Andy Gibb. I think it was in 78. Um, I had, uh, they asked some of the parking attendants, would you uh, be ushers? And some of us, they put in front of the stage to keep the crowds from getting on the stage. And you know, Andy at that time was in the prime of just drawing big crowds, and it sold out. And uh, I was probably 19 at that time. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of excitement, but when he came out on stage... I think I was the first one that got shoved on the stage by the crowd that just pushed so hard. I was caught between the stage and, and the screaming number of people was <laughs> unbelievable. I don't know how they heard the concert. They screamed the whole time. I think I lost half my hearing that, that, that day. But um, some of those just stuck out to me. It's like, wow, huh, I'd like to be a performer like that one day. But it was amazing. So, the right. concerts
0: there. what's the best roller coaster ride you've ridden? <laughs> I'm
1: going to have to say, though, the great thing about being on the marketing side of theme parks is you got to choose what type of roller coaster or what type of attraction will generate attendance. So we were up on you know what were the new things. So we got to go to visit a lot of other places we got to go to. The, it was called the IAPA. It was a world association of where all the manufacturers would come into Florida and in Orlando and put roller coasters together and you'd actually get to ride them. So uh, I guess I have to brag about this one. was at Six Flags Over Georgia. It was called the Superman ride. It was one that I, I really felt not only themed right, but you know it went upside down about six times, um, and then it had a free fall at the very end of it. And it was one of the first coasters that is launched out of the um, out of the station versus the click clack going up yeah. the hill and down. Um, they, kind of use reverse uh, magnets to shoot that thing out. And um, that was one of the first ones we had in the southeast that launched you as fast coming out of there um, and then into those rolls, um, and then up and then drop back down. And uh, we had to shoot a commercial on it. And um, I had to take uh, some volunteers, and I, I volunteered some of my kids. They had to ride it like at least 25 times in a row because as they're filming it, they want to make sure the same people were in the same cuts because they would use cuts of it. And uh, most people would make it past four or five rides, and they're like, "I, c- I can't do this." I said, "Dude, you got to. We we need you for like twenty more times." So uh, I end up stepping in on a few of them, and yeah, it's quite pale after that. But that probably is my favorite of all that we put in. Uh,
0: it sounds like the Hulk at uh, Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, we were down there one year, and and somehow we we got a a, a really good pass and so we just rode that thing over and <laughs> over and over again shoot you out i love that feeling and that rush um was a lot of great times tommy i know y'all are getting up on the 50-year the anniversary and you got a lot of big plans or whatever um so we look forward to hearing more about that and and sharing that uh with the community i know that uh I don't. You don't have to pitch the zoo, but it's also good for people to hear about the volume that goes there, and for people here locally to hear what's happening there. And I'm excited to. to I have not seen the aquarium yet. Um, I look forward to getting out there and seeing it. Um, I know it's probably absolutely wonderful. Knowing uh, Susan and and the the Boyd Foundation, the family just really, they don't do anything half. It's it's we're either all in or we're not.
1: Blessed to have them, no doubt, in this community, and what they're doing is amazing.
0: And what they're doing to make a difference in things that are legacy projects that will last—they're not into you know short term. This everything's thought out for a long period of time, and how we'll have that the biggest impact. And we're very fortunate to have them, and very glad to have them actually try to to speak. But you know, there's going to be some great opportunities moving forward. We're excited for what's going to happen. Folks, I want to thank everybody for listening today. Uh, we'll to wrap up another episode of Around Town.